Welcome back to Enlighten Up. You are listening to episode 10, the pineal gland, higher self-protection, and geomagnetic field correlations with Heather Sartain. We are really excited to bring this show forward because it is what we all believe to be a very important episode filled with a ton of information that I think many of you are going to benefit from. One of the reasons why we wanted to talk about the pineal gland is because it is considered to be the seat of the soul. And a lot of our more esoteric abilities, such as telepathic communication, psychic visions, lucid dreaming, astral travel, are all highly, highly connected to this tiny little gland that sits in the middle of our brain. So this pineal gland is considered to be the gateway into the spiritual realms. If you know anyone who is able to speak to people who've passed over, commune with angels, guides, this is your access point, the pineal gland. And we're going to get into a lot of detail and a lot of it's going to get scientific, but it's going to be easy for you to understand and put together a lot of information that will be helpful and beneficial to you going forward and why you're going to want to start focusing on strengthening this little guy and getting your pineal function back on track. So let's jump right into the episode and hear what we all had to say about it. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Enlighten Up. This is episode number 10. Can you believe it? It's already 10 episodes in. I am here with Lisa and Michael, and we have a very special guest with us today. Her name is Heather Sartain. Heather, welcome to the show. Thank you, Nicole. I appreciate that. I'm really excited. Actually, I'm speaking for all three of us. I'm really excited to have you on the show because it's kind of It's kind of uh, serendipitous the way it all worked out because I was really wanting to do a show on the pineal gland and the third eye. And I was watching Cosmic Disclosure and saw your episode with Corey Good and David Wilcox and you were talking about the pineal and I was like, oh my gosh, I got to get her on the show. And you were so gracious enough to come on and do the show with us. So thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. I love to talk about these things. Yeah, so why don't you just um, tell our audience a little bit about you and uh, why you are such an expert on this uh, subject today? Well, there's certainly no courses in it in college. (laughs) Uh, The pineal gland has been left out for a very long time. I think it's finally getting some attention. And I think in the medical fields, it's getting a little bit more attention as time goes by. And I'm going to say there's been an excuse that's been going around for several decades and that the pineal gland is small and therefore functionality of the pineal gland was kind of overlooked because of its size, but we study DNA. So don't tell me that the pineal gland is too small to study. Fair point. (laughs) Uh, I mean, on occasion you'll come across uh, excuses like that when you try to investigate or research the pineal gland. Heather? How, how big is yes. the pineal gland, just so for our audience to know? The approximate size is the gra- a grain of rice, typically. Um, it can be a little bit larger, uh, depends on the person, uh, depends on the, the form of life. Uh, the pineal gland exists in most vertebrates, except for 
some of the sea vertebrates like the hagfish, and therefore it can range in size. Uh, in humans, it's typically the size of a grain of rice. Oh, wow. I didn't realize it was that small. Me either. Okay, so we are not, we don't get to study in school. What is the reason? I mean, they tell us it's the size, but I'm sure there's a bigger reason as to why we haven't been studying it in school. Uh, one of the things I have found in, in my research is um, the pineal gland has also been overlooked due to the fact that it's been thought of is something that could, you know, you could function without um, such as other things like your appendix or your gallbladder. Um, I think that might be another way of kind of sweeping it under the rug, like, well, it's not all that functional, so we don't have to have it to survive. Mainly um, because I, they don't know what it does, or they do know what it does, but they pretend like they don't know what it does. <laughs> there is, or, they, there is, or they think they know what it does, but they don't know the full science of it, is what I'm thinking. There's, there's actually quite a bit published on hormone releases uh, in the pineal gland, but uh, in my research, finding a really good diagram or an actual image of the pineal gland, like say for medical purposes or science purposes, I've had difficulty finding a really good image of the inside of the pineal gland. There is some probably very simplified diagrams, but I'm looking for something a little more detailed and more advanced. It's, for instance, like, you know, a, a very focused, high-resolution, uh, zoomed-in diagram of, you know, a dissected pineal gland. And I'm sure they could be found. I just haven't been able to find one for my own purposes that I like. Um, I can tell you that it is responsible for the, the production of melatonin. And uh, we all know melatonin is important for sleep. And it is light sensitive, so you can definitely think of it as a third eye. Um, it absorbs light, but it's not like the eyes on the outside of your head. Uh, your eyes, the, the eyes that we have for visible light is a small portion of the spectrum. And what we're seeing is emittance. So our simple eyes are designed to be able to see what colors of the spectrum are emitted off the surfaces of objects around us. And we don't see any further to the left or the right of the electromagnetic spectrum. However, the third eye is capable of seeing more. Uh, its functionality has been de-evolving. <laughs> uh, one of the books I'm working on, which will be a third book once I finish my first and second book, <laughs> they... Uh, <laughs> We'll cover the the devolution of the pineal gland, and I like to say devolution, like devil. Oh, <laughs> so the, that is an interesting is point, which we'll get to. We'll get to that. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, what I'm intending to uncover is the hows and the possible whys. And what could have been if our pineal glands were in an environment away from poisonings 
that would allow it to evolve with other organs in the body and have a higher performance functionality. Is there anything you know about it now that ways that people can, um, you know, through nutrition or whatever it may be to help with that pineal gland to help it be more effective? Oh, definitely. Um, first of all, clean water free of fluoride is very important. It is a fact known not only in the United States where it's been suppressed as far as public information, but in Europe and the Asian countries, it has already been known and published and there has been very good data that has been released to us um, and you have access to just by doing some research on your own, that it has been charted that the presence of fluoride is, can be um, uptake in the pineal gland. So the pineal gland does a very good job of taking in fluoride. And once it does, the fluoride calcifies the organ. So when calcification begins, that sort of dumbs down the functionality of the pineal gland. Therefore, the production of melatonin is not balanced. Um, the production of serotonin, which is a derivative of melatonin, which is also from the pineal gland and other organs in the body. But there is yet another chemical substance, like hormones, melatonin and serotonin, that we have, you may have heard of DMT, Yep. Dimethyltryptamine, which uh, we believe through scientific research is responsible for visualizations in the mind. That's why it's given the nickname the mind's eye. Okay, so, so that's I, where all the third eye kind of, I see it in, people who say I see it in my mind's eye, my third eye, that's due to the DMT release? Uh, DMT is a chemical substance that has been researched and found to quite possibly be the primary chemical that is responsible for vivid dreaming. Um, if you have an extreme imagination and your imagination is working in its optimal prime way, the DMT that's being released has increased. And in order to increase the production of DMT to help with communicating on the other side, uh, expanding on your imagination, uh, when you fall asleep, you have vivid dreams that are really, really memorable. Some people say, I, I don't dream. I don't remember any of my dreams. Everybody dreams, and there's different types of sleep during the night, like REM. But during the visual dreaming stage of sleep, that can be enhanced with a greater production of DMT. To increase the production of DMT, you need to change your diet, change the water you drink. I know not everybody can change the water they're exposed to, such as in the shower. Um, but you can start with filtering your water at home for cooking and drinking. Uh, fluoride injection into the public water systems has been going on since the beginning of the research for it, which was in the 1940s. Um, I know from doing some research and studying on this that all of that work began 
with the Nazis. It started in Germany. There was extreme exposures to sodium fluoride in the concentration camps. Really? And he, oh, yeah. These are all things you can Google. You can look them up. You can read about them. Always check your sources, though, on the Internet because okay. there's pretty much anything and everything on the Internet. So, okay, hold on a second. So they've been dumping fluoride in the water since the 1940s, approximately? Uh, the 1940s is when it began as far as research is concerned. I want to say around the time of the 1950s and definitely during the 60s and, and, and even now, there has been an increase, not everywhere. This isn't, this isn't a worldwide decision, but in the United States, especially in very populated areas where you are subject to using public water, it is a mandatory and regulated law. In fact, I had a dear friend that I used to work with who once worked for the Public Water Authority. And he was asked as a part of his job to increase the amount of sodium fluoride that was being put in water, and that was in Pasadena, Texas. And this was probably 1987. And he asked his authorities um why are we increasing if if the the tank you know the the public water system the amount and the quantity of water that's there hasn't changed why are we changing why are we increasing for um because it's you know he said he noticed on all of the packaging that came into the plant it was like a skull and crossbones poisonous um all kinds of information that came with the poison and, and how dangerous it is. I mean, they had to wear PPE or protective clothing in such a way that let the person know this stuff is really bad because I have to wear a lot of stuff just to handle it. Wow. And he said, so he thought perhaps the injection or the, the amount, the dosing of the sodium fluoride was perhaps low enough that it wasn't a concern except for him to do his job and handle, you know, large quantities. But it is a, a solid white structure, it's powder, and it goes into the system, it's, it's water soluble, and in small quantities, I'm talking in the parts per million range, the chemical is dangerous to not just the pineal gland, but it is also dangerous to the adrenal gland, uh, the thyroid glands, and it is definitely, and this is proven, not good for your teeth. And I'll get to that in just a second. So can I ask I can a question? Explain. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Can you can I ask a question? So tell me why, if it's so poisonous, um, why are they putting it in our water? Like what? What do you believe is the reason behind that? Yeah, what's the motivation for the government to want to be doing this? Turn those frogs gay. <laughs> what did you say, Michael? <laughs> I'm telling you, turning those frogs gay. Oh! <laughs> turning the frogs gay? Yes, okay. <laughs> Nicole gets it. Have you not heard about, oh gosh. I don't even know we need to go there right now. There's so much here to discuss. <laughs> Heather, what do you want to say about that? 
I don't, I don't, I'm sorry. I know it's probably an inside joke or something, but. No, no. Um, Michael, since you brought it up, you have the honors. Okay. So a couple of things here. Um, I remember when I was a kid going to the dentist and then making us wash our, our mouth out with fluoride. And uh, I remember the dentist clearly in the 80s, keep in mind, saying to me, do you want to look like a British person or a British teeth? Oh. I'm like, what? Wow. <laughs> oh, my God. The, do- then, the dentist and, actually said and, that to you? Yeah. Oh, yes. And this is before the Internet. We're like, British teeth? What's that all about? But then, like, all of a sudden, like, I'm like, so it's like an 8-year-old kid or 10-year-old kid or whatever it was at the time. Um, I'm like going, what the, I, oh no, I don't want, I want white perfect teeth. Look at those Brits with their bad teeth. They don't have fluoride in their water. We need fluoride in our water. That's, oh my that's gosh. the original reason I heard even when I was a young kid. So it's, it, it's, but I've heard in the last 15 years, a lot of bad things about fluoride. And, um, and, okay. and so if you take the biggest, uh, conspiracy theorist in the United States, who's a very popular uh, um, podcaster, he, <laughs> one of the funny things that people say when they hear about him, which is his name is Alex Jones, is he has a rant about how uh, we put fluoride in the water. And he's, he actually, I mean, he'll probably talk uh, a lot and agree with you, Heather, a lot today. But part of the, one of the things that try, he tries to grab people's attention, he goes, we just put fluoride in the water and turn frogs gay. <laughs> it's like it's like the funniest <laughs> thing to listen to him to say that. This is like hilarious. Like why would why would we like think of in science? Let's see how we're we gonna get frogs to turn gay. No, it's beyond that. So uh, that's why Nicole Nicole knows Alex Jones too. So that's why we both kind of crack up to that. Yeah. So it's actually a real it's a real thing that's being talked about right now. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> So, Heather, what's okay. your opinion on it, on the reasons? Well, uh, just, just to give you an example, so, and this, this information is difficult to, to be really accurate. So, regulated substances, especially fluoride, that, that we do not have a choice. It's, it's going to be in the public water, and, and we can't change that unless we were to really lobby this. <laughs> and have a very large group of people protesting. That might help. So in the public water supply, this is an average amount. This isn't true for all cities and states across America. But it's about one part per million or one milligram per liter. So if you you know approximately what a milligram looks like, um, it's much smaller than a gram. So it's very difficult to see a small amount of powder like that. But one milligram per liter. Think of it this way. Your average tablet of ibuprofen is 200 milligrams. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, so it's like one two hundredth of, of an ibuprofen tablet. Yeah. There's, there's a thousand of those in one gram. So a thousand milligrams in a gram. So it's a very, you think, oh, that's not very much. Oh, right, right. I'm thinking the opposite way. You're right. Good job. <laughs> so it is as, as highly toxic as this substance is it doesn't take that much so two things the reason a good friend of mine was putting fluoride in the water the reason he was told is that it kills bacteria certain types of bacteria so does chlorine 
And he believed it. And he was also told the infamous, it's good for your teeth. It prevents decay. It prevents cavities. Okay, well, he kind of wondered the same thing I did. We used to talk at work all the time. So going back around 2007, 2008, uh, Joe and I were having all these fantastic conversations at work. And I was like, oh, my gosh, you work for the public waterworks? And you put sodium fluoride in the water in Pasadena? Tell me about it. Because I was, I was looking into these things back then. He goes, yeah, you know, a buddy of mine that was working there with me, we were both like looking at each other and they're like, man, they're having us increase this stuff. Well, I can tell you right now, it was more than a milligram per liter. And it increases over certain areas. And he said, you know, I, I'm not really buying this bacteria and uh, tooth decay. And he said, because why aren't they helping us with other things in our health? I mean, and, and I love this conversation that we had on a particular day around 2008. I said, Joe, exactly. Why does the government care about our cavities, but they don't care about the food we eat? They don't care about a lot of other things where we've been struggling with health insurance for many years now. There's so many other things that they don't seem to care anything about. In fact, they're made worse, perhaps on purpose, but they care about tooth decay. I, I have never heard in my life about using a contaminant in something that kills bacteria and selling it and marketing it through media and announcing everywhere it prevents tooth decay. Well, I, and they, they even tell you that if you swallow the toothpaste that you're supposed to call the poison control. That's right. That's right. Because it's poison. And it does very detrimental things to more than one gland in the body. So what, what do you believe is the reason why, though, that there's such a cover-up going on about it? Okay, well, and we all, we've all been to the dentist. In fact, now when you go to the dentist, they're using a gel on your teeth. It's a fluoride gel. I don't know if you've, if you've noticed that recently. Um, I have. And I asked the dentist, what's, what's up with this gel? I mean, we used to rinse our teeth with fluoride. And I told the, the dental hygienist, and that wasn't that long ago, about a month ago, I told her, we used to rinse our teeth with fluoride here at the dentist, and we all know that being a liquid about the viscosity of water, you're swishing it around in your mouth like mouthwash for, you know, I don't know, 30 seconds, a minute, however long. You spit it out. Where does it go? It's a liquid. It might penetrate the enamel of your teeth a little bit, but it doesn't perform like a coating on your teeth that's even temporary. I mean, it's, it's in and out. It gets in your bloodstream, that's for sure, because especially in the mouth, sublingual, gets under your tongue, goes right into the brain. Um, that is, in fact, not as bad as daily exposure. That's occasional exposure in a higher dose. But when you are subject to public water, you're getting a daily exposure all the time. Every time you take a shower, you're not filtering that water with alumina filters, and alumina filters are really good at removing fluoride, then you're subjecting your whole entire self. Your skin is an organ that uptakes so many things. 
and you're going to get exposure from a shower. This is every single day. So the daily exposure is far worse than occasional exposures at a higher dose. And those doses aren't really that high. So here's what dentists are taught. When they work on your teeth, they demineralize the enamel. That means when they scrape away some of the enamel, when they do dental work, including removing tartar from the teeth, they're scraping away enamel. And enamel is very precious in protecting your teeth from decay. There are certain types of bacteria in the foods we eat that produce acid. And as a result, those acids eat away the enamel. So the excuse the government gives us and tells medical science and dentists, the reason we're putting it in the water is because the bacteria that are in your mouth from eating food are eating away at the enamel of your teeth. Okay, here's the part they don't necessarily tell you. Your body produces the minerals necessary to enhance and put back the enamel that gets removed from the acid from the bacteria. Your body is already designed to do that. You go to the dentist, they scrape away some of the enamel, and they're using fluoride to accelerate the process of remineralizing the teeth. And so fluoride is a catalyst that helps calcium and phosphorus get back into the tooth and build up the enamel. Is that true? Yes, that's true, that's a fact. Fluoride is a very good catalyst for helping phosphorus and calcium rebuild enamel, but your saliva already has, not fluoride, but the ability to remineralize the teeth. So the fluoride isn't necessary then because we already have in our saliva the means to do the rebuilding of the calcium and the phosphate. Phosphorus, yeah. Phosphorus, sorry, phosphorus, yeah. Um, okay, so, you know, when I was a kid, I was telling Lisa this before, I was in grade two and um, we, in my school, they had someone come in to our school with the little cups of fluoride they'd line them up on a table we'd walk in from class and we'd all have to take a cup of fluoride swish in our mouth for like a minute they timed us and then we spit it back out and it goes in the trash and i don't know why i don't know if this is my higher self kicking in at like eight years old but i knew that i didn't want it i knew that it wasn't good for me i didn't know why i just knew that for some reason something was telling me not to do it and so i would always pretend to put it in my mouth and I would pretend to be swishing something in my mouth and then I would pretend to spit it out and throw it out. It's just, uh, it's interesting to, I mean, obviously there's no way at the age of eight I knew any of the stuff that you're telling me right now. Um, but like, I don't, I don't know, like, you know, Michael, you talk about how you know, you want to meditate and maybe have some visions. Now you have amazing dreams. You have really vivid dreams, but your meditations, like your visions, you've been wanting to kind of increase that. So, you know, part of me is like, oh, well, I was protecting my pineal. Is that why I'm so imaginative and have these amazing visions in my meditation? Like that, that That's kind of what I was thinking as, as we get started today in the podcast is like, so what did you and what did Nicole and Lisa drink when growing up? <laughs> because <laughs> apparently, apparently I've been like, dreams. you know, hitting the needle with straight fluoride for like years. 
still want to know, really, though, Heather, what what you think the motivation is behind the government. Yeah, so why do they want this fluoride in our bodies? Like, what is the main goal? Other than... And if if it is to calcify the pineal gland, then why? why? Yeah, why? Uh, Very, very good question. And there's very, very good answers. If you can help dumb down the pineal gland and its functionality so that it's not functioning optimally... It is not releasing as much DMT. It's not releasing melatonin naturally in a balanced way. And it becomes inhibited. You become easier to control. And you've heard this probably from others. And you've seen it in some articles perhaps out there that have been published. But not. I, I don't ever take somebody's word for something. So I really looked into this. And based on my own conclusions of what I've put together biochemically and what the pineal gland is capable of doing. And I know this is going to sound, you know, perhaps a little far-fetched, but I swear many of us are subject to information downloads. And I'm going to go with the Bible here on this one. If you seek, you will find. I mean, I know that's in the Bible somewhere. I went to a Christian school in high school for two years And I learned a lot of stuff in biblical studies. I love the Bible. I love the wisdom teachings from it. I also like other bits of information, you know, the Tao. Um, There's a lot of things that religions of the world have contributed that all have some similarities. And I utilize that information to help me decide what I'm reading about. And if you really want to know about something, and you want to have wisdom gained from it, you will find it. And sometimes you wake up and you feel like, how do I have this knowing of something that I haven't really studied that well? How do I just know this? Well, I think those are some information downloads of wisdom that come from other realms. We couldn't possibly think that we're it anymore. I mean, if you go back in history, especially in astronomy, we were taught for, you know, over 500 years that we're the center of the universe. Well, okay, if we can't be the center of the universe, then we have to be the center of the solar system and the sun goes around the earth. (laughs) So we just didn't have a bird's eye view for that without telescopes and mathematics and models. And some of it did make sense at the time. But now that we know there's so many possibilities of life out there, we have to accept Drake's equation from the 1960s, around 1965, that there's hundreds of thousands of possibilities for life just in our galaxy. And we're a galaxy among millions, if not billions of galaxies, just like stars in the galaxy. There could be as many galaxies as there are stars in our galaxy, probably more. And with that being said, older civilizations can talk with us. And I know that the pineal gland is a transmitter as well as a receiver. And besides working as a third eye per se, it works like a radio using the electromagnetic spectrum, but using parts of the electromagnetic spectrum that we don't see with our normal eyes. Uh, like, and it's the actual pineal gland that's doing all the transmitting? 
Well, we know that there's fluid inside the pineal gland, and the orientation of the molecular structures in there, in the water part of the pineal gland, um, and there's no proof of this in science just yet, but it's proposed and theorized that the orientation of the electrons in those molecular structures of fluid are oriented in such a way electromagnetically that they are designed to receive information and emit information. And this is without words being said, this is without seeing with your normal eyes, this is a connection with faraway places, as well as right here on Earth with each other. Okay, we are hitting the pause button on this podcast episode because we think it's very valuable information for all of our listeners to actually understand why the three of us uh, think there is some level of Oh, what's the word? An agenda. Oh, yeah, an agenda on um, f- making sure that the population is fluoridated, whether it's through our water, our food, um, our toothpaste, and other ways. So we're just going to have a really quick discussion uh, with you, uh, with Michael, Lisa, and myself, and we're going to just discuss what we believe are the reasons why we are all getting fluoridated. <laughs> and what is that agenda? Yeah, and what is that agenda? So, Michael, you've been reading a few things and you have some thoughts. Why don't you start? Well, from from what I've from what we've talked about, but also just from before we even started these podcasts, uh, I've heard of the pineal gland before, um, and the, and how fluoride calcifies it as well. I never really understood until this podcast. However, thanks to our guest on all the details of what the pineal gland actually is in control of. So that was very informative. Um, and it makes sense, too, because, I mean, I've always had this back-of-the-mind idea that, uh, especially a lot of these first-world countries, uh, United States in particular, there probably is some sort of hidden agenda to control a population. And, and this would definitely assist to controlling the population from from if you look at it from like day one we're starting to drink water that's that has fluoride in it and whatnot um and so one of the articles that i was telling you guys about was how um at least on the guy side and i know it affects the girl side too but it's a lot more easier to test on the guy side is our sperm count has dropped significantly in the last 30 40 years um, due to many factors and this could be one of them, but like, I mean, the food tablet system has changed so dramatically in the past 40, 50 years that that probably has a lot to do with it as well. Um, but definitely throwing some fluoride in the water. When did we start fl- throwing fluoride in the water? Wasn't it in the early 1900s? It, in the fifties and sixties for sure. Fifties and sixties. Perfect timing right there. And, and that's when everything started changing with our food tablet system and the things that we intake in our body. And it was um, during the baby boom. Yeah, it's like too much baby boom. We need to control it. <laughs> well, and then more processed uh, foods also started coming on the market. Exactly. I think there's more than just fluoride. That's well, going that on. in 1960, birth control was invented, and that's when we really started playing God with hormones. And and when you start playing with God with hormones, we're not quite sure what the repercussions are. You, you don't see them right away. It might be 20, 30, 40 years down the line before you see them or your kids will see them more than you because they have pretty much are born into it. And, and so it's very interesting. This is why I think most of us, not most of us, but there's a trend in the market today in the United States, at least 
to go way more natural because we're starting to see more science on all the bad stuff we've been eating for 40, 50 years. And it, we're, we're making cognitive choices like, okay, I'm going the more healthier route. I'm going to go, you know, I guess organic if you want to look at it that way or healthier or keeping away from processed foods, which is great, which has changed my life big time completely. And now I that I can't buy toothpaste. You know, the internet has helped with that. Just people Absolutely, have more yeah. of an awareness, you know, and what other countries are doing. And then you compare America to Europe and all the things that Europe will not put in their cosmetics and in their food and, you know, medications and things like that that we do here in America. Yeah. But if we're going to talk specifically about the pineal gland and why they want our pineal glands calcified, like, let's just talk about that because having a very healthy pineal gland, one that is not calcified versus someone who is, um, yeah, has a calcified pineal. What do those, what are the differences between those two people? And, um, why would certain groups, whether they're within the government or let's say it controlling the government, uh, why would they want to have a population with calcified pineal glands? I think the easy answer is it it dumbs us down. You know, we have the pineal gland helps with that, you know, your third eye and that connection to um, the spiritual realm and your intuition and things that, you know, guide you. You have that knowing whether that telepathic communication and they don't want that. They want to be able to, um, you know, not have us have that additional knowledge and knowing that we all have naturally. Definitely. And I also think, okay, let's talk like, you know, Heather mentioned that melatonin, when it's affected, um, it affects our sleep, it affects our rest. And um, it also then affects certain hormone releases uh, from the um, pituitary gland. And I know that our hormones play a very deep role in our overall health. And um, pretty much a lot of health issues stem back to um, poor hormone um uh, release. And so, you know, if you think about it, when you're tired, you're exhausted, um, you're fatigued, uh, you're not sleeping well, then you're not thinking straight and you become more like, let's, a zombie. And I, I do believe that this deca- or the calcification of our pineals is to keep us in this state of being controlled in complacent. a state. Yeah, complacent. Um, being spoon-fed information and just accepting it, not challenging it, not questioning it, not being more um, active in, uh, you know, questioning the information that we're being told. Uh, so yeah, complacent's a really good word. So when we're complacent, then groups that have a lot of money and a lot of power can have much easier influence over us and um how they how they want the world to be run and what our choices are yeah know. yeah exactly if we don't understand that we're freely willingly giving up our free will by drinking fluoridated water because it's literally dumbing us down and calcifying our pineal and decreasing our health decreasing our abilities to um, be more cognizant of certain information coming in then that's huge and, you know, Nicole, what's your opinion on what's the end game here for, you know, whomever may be controlling this? Like what, 
you know, they want us to be more complacent and dumb us down. But at the end of the day, what what's it all about? You know, what's just power, just them having power. And, you know, you know that a small percentage, 1% of the population owns pretty much everything. Is it about, you know, money and commerce and power or, you know, exactly what is the is motivation? It, and another, another good question to add on to Lisa's, is it only in certain types of countries or is this something that this this group that we really don't have an identity to uh, would want to have all around the world? Yeah, no, it's a global thing. It's definitely global. And um, <clears throat> the, the it's, you know, it's basically global slavery. If you really want to look at it, and it's slavery in a way that doesn't look like slavery to us. Um, and, and what happens is I've read some articles about one of the reasons why they want to calcify our pineals is so that we do become this complacent um, uh, yeah, where we're not questioning authority, we're just accepting things as they are, is um, because when, we're, when we are more awake and more tuned in to spirit and our, our actual innate powers that have been dumbed down through the calcification of, of the pineal, then, um, you know, then we're, we're willing to just be part of what the this, this so-called matrix is. You know, when we watch the movie The Matrix with Keanu Reeves, like, you know, there's the red pill and the blue pill, and they want everyone on the blue pill. And um, it's about, you know, thinking like, yeah, all there is to life is getting up and going to work and working 8 to 12 hours a day, coming home. Like, if you think about your life and how, how it's being run, like – how are we living? Is that really what life is supposed to be about? Like just to complete, Survi- it's just yeah, about survival mode. Survival. And they start teaching that, oh, let's see here, when you're five years old, wake up, go to school. Right, and they've made it, I mean, just pro, like the matrix, I think that's that's the word I was looking for really, you know, and just about what is going on and for those who aren't really aware, you know, about what the matrix is and and how the society has been structured so that we that we are dumbed down and we do believe that it's about survival. We believe we're just a body and we have to feed ourselves and clothe ourselves and work hard and drudgery and this is our life. And the reality is that we have all the powers of God. Like, you know, we have the power to create our own life in beautiful ways and it doesn't have to be hard <laughs> and we don't have to be sick and we don't have to be tired and we can have all the things that we want. You know, but we have to be able to tap into that higher power within us. Yeah. And I think the biggest question is, is what is it about our pineal gland? This is the question that each and every one of us need to constantly be asking is what is it about our pineal gland that they're so worried about of us having a healthy one? Like, you know, and I know that part of it, if you think about it just from our spiritual um, aspect of like through meditation and being able to um, have bigger visions and, and more vivid visions, um, being able to commune with the other side, whether they're loved ones who've passed on or, you know, um, angels, uh, daily guidance, daily guidance. Like what is it about that side that they want us to think doesn't exist? Because I know it exists. Lisa knows it exists because we're in communication with it. Um, the fact that Lisa and I are able to start tapping into telepathic communication. You know, a lot of people out there think that doesn't exist, that that's only for maybe a few psychic people or people with like certain gifts, but it's not every single one of us has these gifts. So, you know, if you think about it, how empowered would this world be 
if we actually were all able to tap into these innate gifts that we're actually born with, but they are being completely dumbed down um, from this calcification process. And Heather made a really good point when she said about her father, um, and, I, and I think, you know, it's going to get into this in the podcast. I don't think we've touched on it yet. But, you know, the, our ability to affect uh, the geomagnetic field of the earth you know, is possible through our pineal glands being active and healthy. And we're going to talk about that later on the podcast. But, you know, these are huge, huge contributions that we can make through just being ourselves, being our human powers, our abilities. So it makes sense to me is why they don't want us to have, um, you know, a healthy pineal. You want to see some interesting facts about um, fluoride, sodium fluoride? Go for it. One in uh, okay, so one tenth of an ounce can kill you, uh, or a hundred pound person, or one hundredth of an ounce can kill an infant, which is the reason why you know if, if your infant is like swallowing toothpaste to call poison control right away. Um, it causes neurological damage to both the, the bone, or and it causes neurological damage and bone cancer. Uh, it was a, the fact was both Hitler, and this is fact, not a theory. Both Hitler and Stalin used it to sterilize inmates and make them docile, which kind of speaks exactly to what you're talking about, Nicole. Uh, it's a toxic waste product from aluminum which is why it, aluminum was huge in World War II, and that's when the byproduct, you know, the theory was that they first brought it out to reduce cavities, and it does reduce cavities with teeth. So I'm wondering if they accidentally stumbled on uh, the fact that it calcifies the pineal gland later on. Uh, but it's the primary ingredient of rat and cockroach poisons, so there you go. That's what you're brushing your teeth with. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty disturbing. And I, and I, you know, I think, oh, I know it sounds very conspiracy theorist to a lot of people who don't know anything about this and like to um, believe that, you know, the powers that be that govern us, whether it's our countries, states, whatever, the world, that they all have our best interest at heart. But the reality <laughs> is that um, not everyone out there is so nice and has these wonderful agendas for rainbows and unicorns in our world. So, um, you know, it's time that we start asking more questions. And that's really what I think the biggest thing to take away from this conversation is you don't have to believe anything that we're saying. By all means, question everything that we're suggesting. Go and do your own research. But it's time that people stop leaving these um, these issues in the hands of other people. And especially in this day and age where we have information at our fingertips on the internet, you know, to, st to start seeking the answers so that you're protecting yourself. Because you can't depend on anyone else to take care of you but you. And, you know, knowledge is power. And to go, it's like Heather said, seek and you will find. So if you really do want the wisdom, if you really do want to know, go out there and start asking more questions. Start questioning authority. Um, and, and, and that doesn't mean that, you know, you're going against something. It's just you are doing the research. You're doing your due diligence to know that you are taking care of you. And, you know, if you've got children, you want to make sure that you're 
doing what's best for them because they don't know any better. They depend on the adults to to look after them. So we really do have to make more of an effort to start questioning things and doing the research, uh, especially in this age of information where it's so at our fingertips. I think what's really important to note there with what you said, Nicole, is it's about what you put in your body, though. I mean, I think that's one of the big things. Like, I really became aware of that when I got pregnant. And I just started thinking, okay, what am I eating? What it, What is in it? You know, I, you know, obviously, you know about birth defects, and you want your child to come out as healthy as possible. And I just, I just had this knowing that whatever I put in my body could potentially harm this baby, whether, you know, and even though doctors tell you stuff is safe, because we've all heard those stories, you know, one day it's safe, and then three or five years later, they find out that it causes breast cancer or something else. So, you know, I just think it's really important that we know exactly what it is that we're putting in our body, you know, whether it's in a processed food or, you know, a an energy bar or, you know, a drink that we get off the shelf, just because it's there doesn't make it safe or good for you. And I I just think that people need to take more control over their bodies and um, know that what an impact it has on so many things, whether it be your pineal gland or your hormones or, you know, your reproductive system, all of that. And I think it's important to understand that sick people are a lot easier to control than healthy, vibrant people. So when you look at the amount of disease that is rampant amongst the world, like the amount of cancer that people are getting, like there has to be some point where you say, why, why, why is it, why are we bombarded with these, these diseases now? Like what is going on? And, you know, it's just time to start asking more questions. So it's, yeah, because obviously it's going to be about your environment and what you're putting in your body, what you're exposing yourself to. And you can you can change those things. Yeah. You just have to educate yourself. Like when I was look, uh, when I've been researching this and even now, I mean, there is just so much on the Internet. It just you got to be careful with the Internet. This will make you feel like everybody's out to get you. <laughs> well, listen, <laughs> it's there's a lot of misinformation out there and there, but right. there's also like, a lot you, of good how, information. How do, you, how do you go through and, and I guess, I mean, that's up to I, the individual reading it. You know, it's like we talked about discernment in episode three, exactly. you just got to start questioning things and then, you know, tune in with yourself. Does this feel right? Does it sound right? Like, you know, who's giving me this information? Where is this information coming from? What would this person have to gain from feeding me this information? Um, you know, like the, we have to look at all angles. So, um, I didn't even know the pineal gland had rods and cones, just like your eyes do. Yes, yes, yes. Because, well, the pineal gland takes in light. It's, it takes yeah, in light. I mean, that's the point It's like, I'm wondering, it's like, wow. It's like, so if it's calcified, I mean, there, there's like, it's really a cool gland. <laughs> no, it's, it's an amazing gland. Yeah. It's why they are targeting it. <laughs> so do we have, do we still have fluoride in our water system now? Or uh-huh. like, yes. No, 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 no. Before you guys go, yes, of course, of course. I'm talking about like publicly across the United States, there's not one place that does not have fluoride in it. Oh, no, 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 no. Because Heather said um, it's not in every state. And it's That's not what every I was thinking. I, I just didn't know. It's bigger cities. Okay. I would imagine. So, Michael, do you have any... Like as a skeptic, do you think? I mean, would you want to? No, ask, actually, is this, this is, is this where just my a conspiracy? skepticism is. Like, you no, know, I know. I, I think there's enough information out there that says that pretty much tells me 
Um, fluoride is no good. No bueno. So, uh, I mean, I don't want to calcify anything in my body. I don't care if it's my appendix or something that is quote unquote useless. I want it, you know, up and running just in case it does something that people haven't figured out. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so it's like, why, why would I want to bring in something in my body that pretty much, you know, turns something to stone that shouldn't be stone? Exactly. So at the very least, that I truly believe. Now, what the pineal, pineal gland is like really capable of doing, that's up for grabs and still. And I still need to kind of like learn and hear more about that. And, the and DMT when she said it, it, it controls melatonin, which controls your release of DMT and things like that, that made me think, okay, well, DMT, is, if this is like your natural acid that you make for your mind <laughs> for lack of better words uh, it could really lead to visions and things like that that makes complete sense and then when i was reading about dmt it was very interesting to see that you know like the deep breathing uh releases dmt into your your body uh holding your breath deep in your lungs for a period of time releases dmt which and, and and the article I was reading when it was talking about that, which is they're saying, which is why a lot of yogis turn it in almost like into a religion. Like yoga is like the beginning steps of getting into spirituality is probably because you're just really practicing your deep breathing, which is what Nicole you told me. Like the, I mean that's like the best thing you can do. If you can't meditate worth shit, just control your and, and concentrate on your breathing. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Now, does DMT DMT is released, I guess, at death too or whatever? Is this the reason why we have crazy visions? Is it like our dream state when we're awake? Or is there actually a third world or, or a different world, if you will, or universe like that you guys communicate in? And because you guys have such a close connection with that realm, uh, it really does start to chink away with this isn't just drug-induced visions you guys are having from natural occurrences in your body. Uh, especially if you're like learning some wisdom that actually affects you and people around you. And and so, I mean, it, skepticism I will always have, but th for this conspiracy, I don't know about the conspiracy, like if it's a government thing or... It, it, if it's like some sort of hidden 12 guys behind the White House controlling <laughs> the entire world, you know, that would be very interesting. But I don't know if we'll ever figure that out. Well, that's a whole nother podcast. And, and, we and can why, talk yeah, about and why that. would they be doing that? There's a lot on the internet because, about that, too. What, what is the financial advantage, since it's probably ran, ran mostly for a financial advantage of keeping us in a zombie state? I can see there would be advantages. Like if I knew some sort of superpower, but I purposely poisoned you two to prevent you guys from having that superpower so I can have it all by myself, that could be a reason. Yeah. And it keeps you purchase, you know, it keeps you going to the doctor. It keeps you I mean, purchasing yeah, like think medications about and, and Heather, things like oh that. Oh yeah. And guess what? If we, if health is a concern, we vote for whoever can help us with that. And it just so happens that healthcare is the number one reason for, uh, that the, a lot of these government including our presidents, uh, really kind of like try to lean on to get elected. We, they want to, you to be sick. They want you to rely on the government to, quote unquote, take care of you from 
cradle to yeah, grave. They make us feel helpless. Like, you know, that's exactly. the point is to dummy us down enough to make us feel like we are helpless. And if you think like about I it, when Heather said, and I, I think this is coming up in the podcast, so I apologize for the, uh, the spoiler. So sorry about the spoiler, but she hasn't been sick in 10 years since she, since she started meditating. That speaks volumes, especially since meditation is one of the number one things you can do to keep your pineal healthy. So that I think is um, also a huge factor in, uh, you know, because uh, like I said, we're much easier to control when we're sick and we become a lot more dependent on things and eating drugs and pharmaceutical company is like one of the biggest, you know, money makers out there. So <clears throat> anyway, um, I think that's a good, I think that's a good um, little side note. We're going to get back into the episode and uh, we just wanted our audience to know why this fluoride is being dumped into your water and why they want your pineal gland calcified now you don't have to believe us but uh do your own research please do question everything we're saying and question everything they're saying uh it's the only way to get answers so let's jump right back into the episode so if there was ever a way to bring back and i say bring back because at some point the pineal gland was much much better with activity than it is today because at one point in time, we weren't consuming sodium fluoride unless we came across it in nature. And that probably didn't happen real often because there's different places in the veins of rocks. And I won't get into the geology of it, but you have to be in the right place at the right time to be naturally exposed. And it doesn't typically come in this compound. It's, uh, fluoride minerals that occur in nature are actual minerals that have a different chemical composition. So... Without exposure to fluoride and the pineal gland worked working optimally, there was a point in time when there was telepathic communication, and I do believe that. Lisa, Lisa and I um, have telepathic communication with one another. <laughs> so, um, hey. yeah, it's I, it's definitely it's something still there. that's yeah, yeah, exactly. And we we talked about it, I think, on one of our more recent episodes. Uh, that the more we're opening up, I guess, to the other realms through our meditation, through um, energy work, through breath work, that our communication through other means other than, you know, our voices and computers is is starting to strengthen. And, and that was the, the at least the, tele, the telepathy is strengthening. That's good. And one of the best ways to increase the healthiness of your pineal gland is through meditation number one removing fluoride that's right there with meditation they're equally as important next is changing your diet there is sodium fluoride in so many packaged foods and it is some sort of a preservative but it has other properties in foods. I'm not real up on studying that other than I just don't want it there. So if you avoid packaged foods as much as you can and you eat things like really green, dark green vegetables, wheatgrass, all plants and animals have DMT. And again, that's a, um, a hormone chemical compound that is produced in life but has a higher production associated with the pineal gland. And even though plants don't have a pineal gland, it doesn't mean they don't have DMT. Really? I didn't know that. Cells. That's interesting. So, so you may have heard of ayahuasca tea. Yes. So there's a, 
a plant, there's a particular plant in South America where they brew a tea to get the DMT, but they also use a root in conjunction with that because it's an MOI inhibitor and it helps with getting the DMT into our system. Okay. So yeah. it enhances the effect. Yeah. So this is a tea that does that? The ayahuasca tea? Ayahuasca tea. So um so anyway, so I take um like a really dark green supplement, like greens powder, uh, every day. And I've noticed like that has benefited me because I've been taking that for almost a year now. And I've noticed a, an increase in visions in my meditations, um, with that. Definitely you will. So when you change your diet and you, you consume natural products, vegetables, a lot of plant matter, um, less packaged foods, less meats. And I'm going to admit it. I'm not vegan. I'm not even vegetarian, but I do really like fish. <laughs> and I still think fish is, can be really good for you. Um, now it depends on the source of, of food. Where does your food come from? And a lot of times we don't know if we go eat in a restaurant, we don't know where our food comes from. Um, we can't prove that. But if you eat at home as much as you possibly can and you put things like spirulina into your diet and wheatgrass and you supplement your diet with vegetable-based protein, not animal-based protein, but vegetable-based proteins, you will have more enhancement of the pineal gland. You also want to try to remove some of the calcification through meditation, so meditative healing and focus on that organ when you heal yourself. You also want to take supplements of boron. Uh, so you can go to a health food store, you can, you can purchase boron supplements that helps remove some of that calcification. It also helps prevent fluoride from enabling this catalytic conversion of calcification in the pineal gland. Um, drinking lots of clean water. And then of course, over time, not immediately, but over time, the pineal gland will begin to repair cells just like the rest of your body. When you're asleep, your body repairs cells very well. So it's important that you go to sleep fasting. So you do need to have a gap in time before you go to bed at night. So you don't want to eat a meal and then go to sleep, although it, it can happen. But if you can eliminate that as much as possible, your body will be fasting while you're sleeping on an empty stomach and therefore be able to repair cells better and you'll have better dreams too. Oh, that so, makes sense. Also yeah. When I was doing a silent meditation retreat, uh, our last meal was done by 5 PM and we wouldn't eat again until 8 AM the next morning. And, um, like the, it was just basically two meals and, uh, it was so that we wouldn't be digesting the whole evening. And I guess that's part of the reason why, because it was for a meditation retreat. Like we were meditating 11 hours a day that like in this retreat. So. No, that makes perfect sense to me. Uh, when this, when sunlight is dim in the evening, as it should be, uh, your melatonin production starts to release a bit more melatonin from the pineal gland. 
It's those circadian rhythms that take place, and that's from the absence of light. So in the absence of visible light and other parts of the spectrum that are produced by the sun, the receptors inside the pineal gland are no longer receiving um, that type of light. Therefore, it's triggered to release melatonin, and that's what helps us kind of wind down and become relaxed and able to go to sleep. When you have trouble falling asleep, if you have trouble staying asleep, and you have disturbing dreams or dreams that are, um, I would say, like night terrors, then something has to be changed. Something has to be changed so that your pineal gland will produce the hormones at the right times and help your body heal itself at night. If it's not able to repair itself at night like it should on a re regular basis, that's when we become subject to health issues, all types of health issues. Really? Okay, this is very interesting because I've never heard this before, but this makes absolute sense. So people who are having nightmares on a regular basis they're not their bodies aren't able to repair and heal like cellular level dna like all of that that healing isn't taking place cellular um repair and you know even the prevention of cancer is subject to sleeping in a balanced sleep and of course we've all had probably had a night terror here and there but if you're having night terrors regularly or if you're not remembering your dreams at all, but you're like, oh, I sleep great. I just don't remember my dreams. You need to be able to have some dreams once in a while because that's going to open the door to better communications through the pineal gland. Okay. And let me tell you something else that's phenomenal. And this, I think, is going to be proven and should be published. I'm going to predict in the next decade. And it's, that, it's out there. The information's there. But I'm talking in scientific books, textbooks. So that um, students in college can learn this, medical doctors can learn this, and that is, it's theorized, and there has been studies in Europe where they've tapped into this. So, you know, I'm talking for our country. It doesn't mean it's not out there and published and taught in other countries. I just can't wait for it to happen here. That during um, the transition, when your body dies and you, you pass on, during that transition, the pineal gland releases a lot of DMT. And that is the scientific explanation behind what we experience and see upon death. Really? There have been uh, doctors in, in our country, as well as other countries who have done studies on this, uh, even with animals, and what they're seeing and results is there was a large production of DMT upon death. What would be the purpose of that for the human experience when they're dying to have that DMT released to see those visions? Well, it's obvious to me that this, this chemical, dimethyltryptamine, is a chemical responsibility and what's happening, it's the scientific explanation besides crossing over. And it has a functionality as a hormone to enable us to make that transition. So I like to think of it as this is what's happening biochemically, but it doesn't mean that it's not spiritual. For everything that happens spiritually, 
that involves the suit that we wear on Earth, that we call our bodies, there is a scientific explanation. And even beyond wearing our suit, when we're in the soul form, once we're a spirit, there's still science. We call that the ether of the universe or the source of all creation. But explaining exactly what ether is and how it's made is very difficult because we're getting now beyond quantum physics. Okay, I need to ask you a question because this has come into my mind. If our pineal glands are calcifying and um, losing function, that would mean that if you're if you're one of those people who's been consuming a lot of fluoride and uh, all the other things that basically make it dysfunctional, when you pass over your pituitary or not your pituitary, your pineal is not releasing the same amount of DMT, say, as someone who wasn't. Does that affect the spirit when they're trying to transition? I would say that is an excellent question, and I don't have an answer to that. If there's less production of DMT with person A versus person B, let's say person A has a really mucked up pineal gland from too much fluoride exposure, and person B does not, they've never had fluoride exposure, and they also meditate regularly and they've enhanced their pineal gland, what's the difference between the two experiences? I can't answer that question, but I could say that perhaps person A has less visualization, but we all go back to source. The um, energy and the basis for that energy that uh, some of us call the ether of the universe all goes back to source and how you get there may be different from another soul. So your experience may be not too well enhanced where somebody else's is extremely enhanced, but you wind up going back to source. Okay. So because the reason why I asked was because you know how there's also, um, souls that pass on that maybe stay earthbound a little longer than they're supposed to. Uh, I'm wondering if that might have some sort of contribution or play a role in some way. With uh, the pineal gland? Yeah, like if you have someone who is, say, like the A, the type A, like the mucked up pineal, that if someone's crossing over and sometimes souls have trouble crossing over and they're a little bit more earthbound and they don't make it through that transition would I mean this and I understand this is pure speculation at this point but it makes me wonder if that plays a role in that transition of being a little bit more earthbound and not letting go of of the um the earth experience and and crossing over completely I think it comes down to the person's intentions through life. I would say, I'm going to answer a question with a question. What if person A, whose pineal gland has been subject to years of abuse, but they didn't have the knowledge to understand what was going on? So it's like, okay, my pineal gland is messed up. I don't have great dreams. I, I have trouble communicating with the other side. I don't even think the other side exists because nothing spectacular ever happens to me. <laughs> but like I have you, Michael. You know, good intentions. I'm a good person. Well, with that, you seek, you shall find. 
if you're seeking communications, if you're seeking spiritual advancement, if you're seeking wisdom, and you have a, a vast drive and ambition for gaining wisdom, all of that is going to enhance your pineal gland without the removal of fluoride. So you've got some advantage with that. And if you meditate, then that's going to help cleanse your pineal gland as well. So I call that self-healing. A lot of people are interested in self-healing through meditation. They have great results. I've had great... I, can I just change the subject for one second? Yeah, go ahead. Ever since... Ever since I started meditation about 11 or 12 years ago, I got better and better at it. I have not been sick for 10 years. I haven't even had a cold or allergies for 10 years. And I couldn't figure out what got better because my diet wasn't all that great. I had some problems with depression over having two psycho lover-hater exes. And I had, um, you know, battled with my career and trying to figure out what's going on in my life. And as a result, I thought, you know, if anything, I should be getting worse. I, I should be getting sick. But I was meditating. I was trying to get better. But that's the only thing I had changed. And I felt better. So then I started doing it every single day. And even on busy days, if it was midnight or two o'clock in the morning and I'm finally going to bed, I would meditate myself to sleep. And I have excellent dreams. I have um, less illness. I used to get respiratory infections a lot when I was in my 20s. Um, I get none anymore. I don't have any medical problems or concerns. And I go to the doctor and she's like, I never see you anymore. What happened? You don't want to come here? <laughs> I go in for a physical and that's it. And even my daughter who's 18, she's noticed. My son's 12. Um, I don't know if he pays attention to that, but I, you know, I tell both of them about meditation and self-healing. I use minerals on my children if they become ill with a cold or the flu or stomach virus or anything. I line them up on the chakras. I love minerals. That's, that's another topic that's really fun to talk about. I'm talking crystals. I call them minerals. Other people call them crystals. Oh, yeah. We've, we've and, introduced Michael to crystals this year. <laughs> you, got, you got a few too, didn't you, Michael? Yeah, but that's a different podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, Lisa and I were huge crystal advocates. I've got a whole board filled, yeah, a whole tray filled with them. And they're they're like my children. I'm not even going to lie. They are. They're like my children. Um, and they go with me. I travel with them. And um, nothing bad ever happens to me when I have them on me. Uh, but... Um, Michael, I'm curious if you, what your thoughts are on this so far from what Heather's said. Um, lots of thoughts. First of all, uh, melatonin scares the shit out of me because melatonin is the one thing that gives me the, the scariest fucking nightmares of my entire life. 
So if I'm trying to, I'm sorry to cuss. I don't know if you're cool with cussing, sir. <laughs> I'm totally cool with it. I'm guilty of it myself. <laughs> but melatonin is one of those things like it, it, it irks me because when I tell people like I, just, I have a hard time of falling asleep, uh, I wake up just fine, but I have a hard time of falling asleep. They're like, just do melatonin. I'm like, no, that that is like the devil's drug. And so it's like, when you told me that earlier, and I've actually been reading as you've been talking too online, uh, that the, the pineal gland is in result of making your melatonin, like that makes sense because I have the freakiest dreams, the freakiest nightmares, the freakiest things that happen to me in a, it, it feels like in a different realm when I mess around with my melatonin levels. Um, Everything you said is really interesting, I'll be honest with you. Um, one of the things that I've always wondered with, uh, not always, I, I, I'm going to say very much wonder now, like give it an hour later. Uh, so how do you guys know, you guys, all three of you, uh, know that DMT is not just a chemical that happens in your brain that makes you see visions like a hallucinogen but is actually something that you guys believe is a doorway into looking into another realm of this world. Uh, how do we know it is or sorry. like DMT? Like, 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 okay. So, so you got near death experiences where they're saying that the reason why people believe in whatever happens in their near death experiences is because of DMT and the number one thing that I see as I'm reading, and, and keep in mind, I do not like to sound like an expert. I am not an expert. This is my quick research in the last couple of days. But they say you can raise your DMT levels by breathing. And not just breathing, but holding your breath in for at least three seconds. Oh, guess what? How do you meditate? Oh, you hold your breath in for three seconds as you breathe deeply. And it releases, you know, I'm just learning tonight from what you're talking about. It just releases this like euphoric DMT induced like uh, visions potentially. So if you could find a way to manipulate your own mind to see visions because of things that you're doing physically, is it real or is it like you're just dreaming so vividly that you actually believe it's real? Heather, okay. go for it. Can I comment? <laughs> yeah. Um, I honestly believe that some of the dreams we have are, in fact, real. And your body doesn't have to physically be there for it to be real. So we have two bodies. We have our etheric or soul body, and we have our, our earth suit. In order to live on this planet under this gravitational force and pressure and composition, we have a suit that's designed like an astronaut suit that we live inside. And that's true for all beings across the universe. Uh, living terrestrially, they have to have a suit designed for that terrestrial planet or body, planetary body. And ours is designed for this planet. But the DMT uh, in dreaming, we definitely want to enhance it. But look, I want to say something about when you talked about melatonin, taking melatonin and versus your pineal gland, releasing your own melatonin in your body is completely two different things. A lot of melatonin on the market is synthetically made. 
And when it comes to synthetic organic chemistry, just if you could read up on it just a little, you will be amazed at how things are made. And synthetically, hormones that are made do not perfectly match the natural production of a hormone. And therefore, um, synthetic chemistry is a huge, huge money-making market, especially in the pharmaceutical industry. But when we make things synthetically, the enantiomers, which is the mirror image of a molecule, it can be the same components, it can have the same structure, but it's flipped around. If you look at some of these synthetic molecular structures, they'll have a slight difference either with the enantiomer of it or they will have um, another component, another atom in there, and that changes everything. And I've looked at some pharmaceuticals. If you just look for the chemical structure and compare it with nature, you'll see the differences. And it blows my mind, and I'm like, there's so much out there we're exposed to. And, and something else I want to say, melatonin is available in the United States without a prescription over the counter, yet in Europe, you have to have a prescription. And there's a reason for that. The Europeans, and at least most of the European countries, I'm going to say like Switzerland, uh, possibly uh, Germany, uh, and I'm sure some of the Asian countries as well. I don't know the the uh, geographics of this necessarily. I just know that in a lot of European countries, you cannot just go buy melatonin. Uh, they already know it's not good to take over the counter. Um, you've got to be really careful with the dosing, and it should not be synthetic. And, that's uh, that's you, really important you, for everyone to know because, I mean, I know my mom takes synthetic melatonin to help her sleep, and... Um, I, I know a lot of people have problems sleeping and so they're taking melatonin. Can you just, before you move on from that, can you talk about what happens synthetically? Um, like what are the, what are the reactions that a person's going to experience from taking synthetic melatonin versus it naturally being produced by their own pineal? Like why, well, the, why would the government want them to be having such quick and easy access to melatonin? Well, since melatonin is produced by the pineal gland and they don't want our pineal gland to work properly anyways, of course they're like, oh, I don't care. You can take all the melatonin you want. And you can take all the synthetic melatonin you want. Uh, with the presence of melatonin in the body, and especially with it not being properly dosed, your body recognizes the presence of it. And... It's got to be taken when it's sundown, when it's nighttime. You definitely don't want to take it during the day to help you sleep. Um, it, your body recognizes the production or presence of the melatonin, and therefore the pineal gland, it's kind of confused. The body's like, okay, it's here. The production goes down even more. So I feel that if you're taking melatonin, and you're not taking um, the right type of dose, and you haven't been diagnosed with a low production of melatonin, you're subjecting your pineal gland to even more or less production and manufacturing of this hormone. And then, of course, that affects the production of serotonin as well. Okay, which in serotonin I, is I, their feel-good hormone. And that leads to depression. Yeah, that leads to depression and a whole other slew of things. So it's like this 
vicious cycle of ongoing problems. And I, I'd like to share my opinion, but it's it's my opinion. Um, the United States is targeted and has been for quite some time to basically just start depopulating and start with what we do have, the people we do have existing here in the United States. It's almost like we're being punished. And it's out of the uncareness and lack of humanity that exists that we're being driven down like a vortex and it's negative a negative vortex instead of a positive vortex we are just being driven down more and more and i'm not kidding when i say this a lot of this information stemmed from experiments during uh the war time and during um hitler's hitler's time and all of that was funded and heavily promoted by Hitler and the Nazi Germany. Well, and sorry, continue. Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say if, cause that sounds like a really good segue into the title of your book, devolution of mm -hmm. pineal and why you chose it so that it was devil. I don't know if I will change the spelling. I mean, Devolution uh, is, in fact, a word that means to uh, reverse evolution or for something to devolve over time instead of evolve. But I've kind of wondered, well, maybe I'll change it to D-E-V-I-L-U-T-I-O-N and just give it that twist. Makes sense. But, yeah. yeah, it does make sense. I wanted to ask you about... Um, you had mentioned that the pineal gland has a direct correlation. The electric magnetic field of our pineal has a direct relation to the Earth's electric magnetic field. Is that correct? Definitely. Can you, can so, you talk about that? Definitely. This is my conclusion. I haven't read this anywhere, but by taking pieces of this puzzle, I am proposing hypothetically that our pineal gland, when it is working optimally and is healthy, works with the Earth's magnetic field. And the Earth's magnetic field is stronger when the majority of the population, including animals that are vertebrates, not just humans that are vertebrates, have optimal pineal gland functionality. I'm noticing a correlation that the Earth's magnetic field goes through reversals. And they happen every 200 to 300,000 years or about every, you know, maybe four or five times every million years. But that cycle has no rhythm or rhyme to it. It's not predictable. You cannot predict the next magnetic reversal. Pole shifts is another common phrase that means the same thing, and it's not a conspiracy theory. Pole shifts exist, and you can ask any geologist who has studied the, the basalt on the seafloor and other iron-bearing minerals that those magnetic reversals have been preserved, including in lava rocks in Hawaii. 
because the buildup of the Hawaiian islands is millions of years old. So with that, we see where north and south used to be, where it is today, and that it does in fact flip. There are anomalies in the Atlantic Ocean right now. If you're navigating the ocean, your compass will flip around when you reach one of those anomalies. When this occurs, the Earth's magnetic field weakens. And when it weakens, a reversal may occur, it also may not occur. It can begin to happen and go back to being north-south the way it was. It can also completely reverse and be south-north. And that's a fact. During this weakening process, it's my hypothesis that the pineal gland begins to lose some functionality. And that connection with the Earth's magnetic field can be weakened by the pineal gland, and also the pineal gland can be weakened by the Earth's magnetic field. That... And if some civilization out there is able to control any of this, they, just like fluoride, can affect the functionality of our pineal gland. I see. So, okay, then that also, I would think that if they have a direct correlation that we as um, a collective could um, help strengthen the electric magnetic field of the earth by um, collective meditation on uh, positive, on, I guess, subjects. yeah, po positive subjects, um, ideas, that kind of stuff. Because I know that there's, um, there is a major global meditation being orchestrated by Corey Good and um, someone who calls themselves Cobra for the solar eclipse coming up on the 21st. And um, that by many people meditating at the same time, especially in groups, that this can help strengthen the energy field of the earth. Is that somewhat correct? Or That's exactly what I'm talking about. Okay. You said it in summary, and that's exactly right. If we can work together and raise our consciousness together, we're all making our pineal gland healthier, and we're also strengthening the Earth's magnetic field, which is responsible from protecting us from cosmic radiation, from space, as well as from our solar, our sun. So when a planet loses its magnetic field or has a very weak magnetic field, uh, CMEs or coronal mass ejections from the sun, which you'll be able to see on the 21st if, if it's not cloudy and you're in a good place, uh, around the disk of the, of the shadow that's on the disk of the sun, you will be able to see those lines of magnetic interference or change. And with, if you go somewhere where you can see almost 100% of the total eclipse, I mean, you can look at it with the naked eye. I don't recommend for very long, of course, but you can definitely see it with the naked eye. I mean, there are petroglyphs out there. A thousand years ago, they, they have a petroglyph from a thousand years ago during a total eclipse that somebody drew. And they're showing, like, CMEs. So... These occur small scale, big scale. Um, 
we don't want a flare from the sun to reach the earth and wipe out a lot of our uh, communication satellites, but it could always happen. We're always subject to it. And we're even more subject to it if the earth's magnetic field is weak. And right before my father passed away in 2013, we were having a conversation about this very topic. And I was talking with him about geomagnetic reversals and telling him things I've learned in school and what I've studied. And I said, you know, our, our magnetic field's getting weaker all the time. And he said, yes, I know. And I said, do you think that's kind of letting our shields down for other things besides protecting us from radiation? He's like, of course. You can also let in a lot more communication, but, you know, you just got to be careful. There's all kinds of things that are happening and will continue to happen until it strengthens up again. So but I agree. So what this with math. Yeah, so what this kind of tells me and I think is really important for anyone just on a very general level um, is that, you know, we often think that we don't, we can't on our own make a difference about anything. But what you're saying is, is that we actually can be part of strengthening the energetic, like the electromagnetic field of our Earth and um, strengthening the protection of it uh, through uniting with one another, just through meditation, just through meditation alone. Correct. Correct. Because definitely spiritually speaking, um, large masses of people that are focused in seeking the same thing in the same way, uh, becomes a lot better in enhancing magnetic field changes and communication. Um, it just seems like even 2,000 or more years ago, there were wisdom teachings available on this very same subject, but I think the level of understanding wasn't there for most of the masses. Can you talk about how the pineals react in close proximity to one another when there's group meditation going on? Definitely. When the closer you are to another person, have you ever noticed there's an extreme difference when you're trying to communicate with somebody and you're sitting right next to them or standing right in front of them versus like how we're talking or, you know, across vast dif dis distances. So the closer you are in proximity, the more influence you have electromagnetically. So you have more pineal glands working together in unison and closer together and they produce a stronger magnetic field together. If you spread everybody out on the planet, so say we could have an even spread of the world population, um, the, the energy that's produced in that way would be less effective than if you have more people collected together. And I'm not suggesting that the world population all get together in the same place. You would probably change the Earth's rotation somewhat. but. <laughs> With that, with, with a lot of pineal glands in close proximity, you can change a lot of things. And I remember my dad and his colleagues talking about metaphysics. They didn't talk about the pineal gland. I don't recall hearing that term. But I remember them saying that if they, the more people you have in one place on this planet, you can change the weather. You can change how the Earth's... Um, 
movement inside the earth occurs. They were talking about the energy that's produced from the earth's core and how that's influenced by people and how people influence it. And I, I remember just listening. I was probably in my 20s. I was in, going to college and living at home at the time. And I'm like, what the heck are they talking about? Metaphysically changing the rotation of the planet by putting everybody in the same spot. That's just, I don't know what they're talking about. But as I got older, I started looking into it more. And now it makes perfect sense to me. That's like, <laughs> that kind of blows my mind that we have that power if we work together, which then makes perfect sense. And I mean, I don't want to get into the politics of it right now, but why there's such a creation of division going on right now, like especially in this country, but also in other countries of trying to keep people separated. Um, that the the power that they're n that we're not fully grasping that we have as a collective when we come together can make massive changes as the way you're saying is in to the point of changing the rotation of the earth exactly that's huge like that's 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 massive for people i think to even wrap their heads around the idea that we have that capability as human beings to to do i i don't know like what do you think lisa well i don't know i just think about collective consciousness i mean when we all get together whether it's the million man march or you know whatever it is that 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 does change things like it changes um the amount of you know murders that there are in a city when people get together and meditate together so I mean, maybe we should touch on collective consciousness because I think that that's truly what it's about, that when we're all focused on one thing, then that's, you know, what we're creating in this world. So, you know, hence why you should stay away from mainstream media. But, you know, we don't need to be independently thinking. But, I mean, if, if Heather wants to touch on that as far as, you know, I think that that many pineal glands together is maybe what makes up the collective consciousness. Are you familiar with somatics? I'm not. So somatics is uh, the geometry or the geometrical shapes that are produced from sound waves. And they, they even study this at MIT and there's other universities out there that do get into this kind of stuff. And I think it is so fascinating. So it's not just somebody in their garage tinkering around with some speakers and some sand grains or, you know, salt or otherwise, but you can have um, like loose solid material react to sound waves and produce different geometrical shapes. Um, there have been advanced studies with water crystals, like snowflakes, for instance. Yeah, I know about that. So one. how water, yeah. uh, it's, it's just, I love that kind of stuff. And I got very interested and I kind of watched some of these experiments and I watched the documentaries and I'm like, wow. So water, you know, being the way water's designed, the tetrahedral stu structure, it produces a positive force. So this is how chemicals bond through positive and negative forces. And that's the net charge. So even though all atoms have electrons around them, those outer electrons and how they bond with other electrons in the outer shells of other atoms is through these net overall charges, whether it's more positive or more negative. So water is more positive. In fact, you can play with water in static by just making something static, statically charged with a lot of electrons. 
So you can take like a, a straw and like rub it with some dry um, paper towel or, or a towel and you can put it next to a stream of water and it will bend and be attracted to those electrons that you put on the straw through frictional force. And so by rubbing like a rod or a straw or something that's nonpolar, um, you're actually putting electrons onto it, onto the surface, which I would love to talk about the photoelectric effect because I think that's completely fascinating, but that's another topic. And so statically, it's, it's attracted to the electrons. And that's how you can make water move. Well, our electromagnetic field lines that we produce through our intentions, um, the, the contribution of the pineal gland, we actually bend and reshape field lines around us and we cause things to change. That's why it's difficult to understand scenarios that are very old and hard to get rid of. Like for a long time, we would see something bad happening to somebody or yourself and you're like, oh, I must deserve it. Or, oh, this person must deserve it or it wouldn't happen. No, you can actually, through your thoughts, cause things to happen to you through negative thinking. You can also cause things to happen to you through others' negative thinking. <laughs> and that is definitely a fact. You don't have to be so negative in your own thoughts, but if you're surrounded by it on a regular basis, the things that manifest from it can happen right before your eyes. And so you're just subject. It's like secondhand smoke. That's how I like to think of negative thoughts. And I didn't mean to change the subject so much. No, I think but it's that's... Like yeah, that's really good because, I mean, well, we've talked about it on several podcasts. Um, Michael's brought it up. We, you know, I, I really hate to keep using this one because we do it a lot and we beat this horse. But, I mean, it's the reason why all of us have stopped watching mainstream media because it's so negative. And so when you've, and I know people who have it in the background of their house daily, like it's just playing in the background that that's actually playing. So what you're saying is that's playing a part in causing effect of manifestation of negative things occurring in your life. Yes. Yeah. So that, that's huge. That's huge. And that's so this is why so many people have to be more aware of. Um, you know, what they're willing to allow in their surrounding environment, what they're willing to listen to, what they're willing to see, um, because all of these things, what from what you're saying, can have a cause and effect on our lives. So you have the control to either leave it there or remove it. And if you're going to remove it, what are you replacing it with? And obviously what you're saying is we need to start replacing it with more positive things. So for instance, we had a guest on a few weeks ago, Jim, who was listening to really, really heavy, heavy, heavy metal music growing up. And he realized how much of a negative effect that was having on his mind and took at the tape out of his car because this was during the 80s um, and like threw it out. And, um, you know, it was it was a realization that he knew that if he wanted to connect to that source energy and to have the visions and um, be in communication with source that he had to remove certain things like that and on top of drugs and alcohol and all that other stuff. So I think like the main thing that what you're saying is people have to understand that everything around them is affecting them, whether they are 
consciously aware of it or not, because there are a lot of things that we're unconscious too, such as when you just hear things in the background, like a news station playing. Like if you're at the airport, I won't sit near the stupid TVs that are constantly playing CNN. And if like I am, I put my, I don't even, you know what? That's not even true. I just won't sit there because I know that even if I had the headphones in, my body hears it, like my cells. So, um, you know, like these are things that a lot of people don't understand the ramifications of exposing themselves to this kind of um, frequency. I think it's the same for just the people that you're with. Like, you know, if you're around a lot of negative people and you're having negative conversations, you just have to be really careful about that and not engage in them or get up and leave the conversation. And it's really important, not only TV and having all that around, but the people that you spend time with as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny because sometimes I'll be in a situation and I'll just like blurt out, there's just way too much secondhand smoke in here and I don't explain it. <laughs> no, like that, that, I love that analogy. That is, that's great. I love it. I'm totally going to use that, Heather. <laughs> Michael, does that make sense to you? Like, um, like, does that make sense to you? <laughs> Do you know how many times I'm sitting there in a conversation with you guys going, and, and thank you for the analogy, Heather. What the hell is going on? This is way too much whatever out there. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm done listening, and I shut down. <laughs> oh, so, so where are your smoke? Yeah, smoke? I can understand oh, that. No. <laughs> so you're, are you saying we're your secondhand smoke? <laughs> Yeah, sometimes, but you know, it's a good drug. We meant in a negative ways. <laughs> you're you're so you're relating information overload to secondhand smoke is what you're saying. Yeah, I'm, I'm remembering like a night when you started talking about aliens, and then you like 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 maybe like one minute into your conversation about aliens, like going, I don't even want to talk about this right now because I don't want to do this to you. I don't want to like throw this all on your plate. And like, yeah, probably a good idea. <laughs> and I didn't. Well, no, I yeah. put the cigarette out. Damn yeah, it. Yeah, we yeah we did. We put that cigarette out. But you know. So then, you don't like to talk about aliens? Ew, no. Oh, this is not a topic I do not not like to talk about. I actually enjoy the topic. However, I'm on the other side of your guys' fence. Actually, I think you guys are on different sides too because Heather, you talk about extraterrestrial. Where I believe, um, and I don't want to jump into future podcasts. Well, no, screw it. I'm going to do it. Um, Lisa and uh, Nicole believe more on inner Earth aliens. Have you heard of that? The whole Earth series? You have because you're, you talk to, uh, what's his name? Corey, um, forgive me, I, I don't remember his full name. Corey uh, Good. Who truly believes that a lot of aliens come from the inside of the Earth, not extraterrestrial. No, there's no, both. there's both. <laughs> there's inner earth yeah. and extraterrestrial. Well, extraterrestrial, I suppose. I, I, but like from the way you guys made it sound like, well, they've always been around. They've been on earth. And so they're technically, you know, not considered extraterrestrial because they come to earth like we're visiting like, you know, um, London, England, <laughs> you know, things like that. Have you guys, or have have you, Michael, looked into the log information from that military guy, Colonel Bird, who started the expedition in the 1940s to fly over 
the North Pole, and he also proposed, I think they did both, the South Pole as well. I think he also had an expedition to the South Pole. And during that trip, it was accidental when he discovered there was something happening there. So the expedition was to go back and, and investigate. And his stories about being pulled into this other world inside the Earth, but he was immediately discredited although there's evidence that his airplane was acting up and being controlled by something else and he lost all control of the aircraft, but he was able I think to I've read, I think I've read almost, especially growing up in the 80s and early 90s before the internet and my young boy brain wanting and being curious about the world, I felt like I've read almost every UFO type topic. So yeah, I'm familiar with what you're talking about. I'm familiar with the, your, what you're talking about uh, along with a bunch of other uh, exact same scenarios. And I'm not necessarily saying I disbelieve. I'm just saying, damn, they are good at hide and seek. <laughs> oh, the extraterrestrials that are terrestrial. I'm just, yeah, here. I'm like, you know, it's like, I almost feel like, I, you know what? I'm going to stop right here because this is like a whole new topic and we already ran like a, an hour and 20 minutes into this. So I'm going to kind of keep it there. But like, I'm, I'll just say this. I'm on the fence and I can go either way. Uh, but my scientific part of my brain, I, I really do want to see some sort of documented real proof. I mean, we in a society where we can prove a lot of things on this earth. But when we get into this side, all of a sudden, it's just like more like faith-based. And even what you guys talk about, it becomes eventually faith-based. Just like most spirituality, most religions, it becomes faith-based at the end, which is fine. It's just like, I just, I'm more on the, you can't really write down faith as fact. But it's not faith-based because a lot it of people have seen when you guys been talking about spaceships and extraterrestrials and people like Heather's father have, you know, they know all about it. They knew that it existed. The military is just hiding it. It's faith-based. I the cannot for that. It. <laughs> yeah. It's faith-based that Heather's telling the truth. It's faith-based that, that the military is hiding it. I mean, this is called faith-based. There's nothing written. There's nothing proven. And, and and it's not that I don't believe Heather. It's not that I don't believe Lisa and Nicole. It's just that I, I'm, I just live in a more of like, I want to see some factual stuff, not like uh, testimony and faith on certain things. Because like I've always told you guys in the last, you know, 10 out of 10 episodes or whatever, <laughs> um, it's a lot harder from my standpoint where I've never had anything fantastically awesome happened in my life where I'm like going, holy crap, I don't really know what just happened. Uh, and it's not existing in any kind of factual textual information. So therefore it must be source, some sort of, of, um, reason that I can't understand. Never has that happened to me. And so that's the reason why I, I enjoy doing this podcast, but it also brings up frustrations because like you guys are talking like, this is like a common knowledge, common language, common everything. And I'm like, okay, fine. You guys can enjoy that conversation. But from my standpoint, I'm like going, okay, show me something. Show me something. Okay. And, 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 Heather, and okay. you guys' testimonies, I believe it because you guys believe it. However, 
just today, even when we're talking about DMT and like it could be the sole responsibility of why you guys have visions and things like this. And DMT could be a chemical apparently that our, our body naturally makes. That's what I'm just learning. So it's really hard for me to jump on this bandwagon and say, yeah, yo, there's aliens, there's big black eyed gray dudes running around in, you know, Lexus spaceships and stuff like that. But no, I, I, it's like hard for me to believe that. Tesla. Uh, I think I, they're Tesla maybe. I just want to say, I believe what I'm told by my dad, because I know he wasn't kidding. And he has told my mother in front of me, I've heard conversations with his friends. And just, just so you know, after being on Cosmic Disclosure, I decided I think I'll give my dad's friend that's still living um, from work a phone call. And I talked to my mom first, and I said, is it okay if I talk to uh, Mr. So-and-so? I'm not going to say his name. And I said, didn't he work for NASA and not for Lockheed? And she said, right. When, when your dad was with Lockheed, he was working at NASA directly. And I said, do you think he has information on any of this? And she's like, I'm sure he does, but I doubt he's going to tell you. And she's like, but give him a call. He's um, difficult to talk to. He's rather quiet most of the time, but maybe he'll talk to you. So we talked about my father. And you know, I was like, I haven't seen you or talked to you in many years. And um, you know, I just wanted to see how you were doing. <laughs> and so I told him about cosmic disclosure. And he's like, I'm not familiar with it. And I told him how he could watch the episodes, although I don't think he would watch them. And the reason why is because a lot of these NASA people, um, they're into the UFO stuff and technology, but I'm just going to be blatantly, bluntly honest here. They're not interested in extraterrestrial stories as much, like interactions and communications with extraterrestrials. And I'm going to say it might be because they themselves have not had that interaction, but they've worked on some reverse engineering. They have access to technology, they have knowledge of things like that from UFO crashes, for instance. So I called him up and I told him a little bit about Corey Good, a little bit about that show. And he's like, yeah, no, no, I, I don't, I don't watch that. I said, do you watch ancient aliens on the history channel? He's like, I've seen it. I don't like it. And I said, okay, I would say about 50% of it is all right. The other 50% is a bunch of BS. And he agreed with me. And I said, uh, tell me, when you worked at NASA and you worked with security clearances that you guys had, you worked on special projects that were top secret, could you tell me anything about any of that? He's like, <laughs> he kind of laughed and he goes, I can tell you um, a little bit, yeah. And I said, okay, um, are you just telling me off the record? But if, if I told anyone, is that okay? And he goes, um, I wouldn't tell you anything that you couldn't tell somebody else. And he said, um, just an example, you know how transistors are founded by Bell Laboratories, so they say. And I said, yeah, I've heard that. And he goes, okay, well, the transistor technology that we obtained is not from Bell Laboratories. That was just a cover-up. It's from reverse engineering of UFO crashes. It's stuff that we've discovered from um, analyzing and reverse engineering the technology that was used for these crafts. 
I said, so are the UFO crashes in Roswell, New Mexico from 1940, July 1947, um, that Edgar Mitchell talks about are true? And he's like, absolutely. But that's not the only one. That's not the only place that we have found or discovered these things that the military has confiscated. And I said, you know, my mom and sister saw a UFO up close and personal in 1966, and they could see movement or beings in there. And he said, absolutely. And I said, do you think they really saw it? And he goes, absolutely. I said, how come they saw it in Seabrook, like near the bay, like from the neighborhood? He's like, because nobody else was around. <laughs> I mean, there wasn't that many people there at that time in that area. And I said, have you ever seen a UFO? And he said, yeah. I was like, do you want to talk about what you've seen? He goes, not really. And I'm like, um, can you tell me anything else besides transistors? He's like, yeah, there's some semiconductor uh, technology. There's also some very delicate information I don't really care to talk about. And I said, okay. And he was very closed mouth other than that. And he's like, but just think about the transistors. Think about radio technology. Think about advanced communication systems that we have. Um, yeah, a lot of that came from the UFO crashes. I mean, and we know more about the propulsion of them and using electromagnetic um, or magnets, electricity and magnets to... Um, repel against gravitational force. He said, but there's been issues with it. Um, some of the replicated or the reproductions of these UFOs, there were some complications. And that was pretty much all he really had to say. Do you feel safe talking about it now? I mean, do you feel safe talking about this stuff that you've learned from your father? Obviously, you're writing a book, oh. so you must. Well, no, I'm not scared at all because I feel the information my dad shared, he already knew he could get away with sharing. It's not like he took me in a special area and like took down all the communication devices they use to listen in. And trust me, there's ways of listening in on people. You don't have to have spyware. There's technology above and beyond things like that. But this is stuff that they were already revealing. This is stuff that asked certain astronauts and other aerospace engineers. We've got documentaries out there that have been produced, you know, a decade, if not two decades ago at this point in time. So with that, it's now kind of old news, but it's new news to a lot of people because it's been a small realm of information that a lot of people turn their backs to. You know, I think what it all boils down to, especially, you know, for you, Michael, is that the way I look at it is science can explain something and it can be right and it can show in many different ways that it's been proven. But we've also seen what happens decades down the road and how that is um, then proven to be wrong. So, there's got to come a point where you start to, instead of looking outside of yourself for the answers and the facts for it to be real and start going inside and saying, does this feel right to me? 
does this make sense to me in a way that maybe my brain logically can't comprehend, but on a cellular level, something inside of me knows it's true. And I think the more that we turn inside and start to pay attention to that inner knowing uh, that you don't necessarily need to rely on facts to um, make it so true to you anymore, especially when science has gotten it wrong many times, years, years and years down the road. So there's science, I think, plays um, a good part in in the story, but it's definitely not the be all and end, the end all. And there, when you think back to ancient civilizations, they weren't relying on science to give them the answers that they were. And so, you know, if you truly want to see it, and as you said, Heather, if you seek it, you will find it. You have to, on some level, believe it first in order to have the experience. Um, otherwise, I feel like you're blocking it energetically. So, like, that's my opinion on it. Okay, I agree with your opinion. Uh, definitely. Um, you have to have a desire and an interest to begin with. And then um, with that, you will naturally begin to investigate and explore. Yeah. And I think a lot of us are so dumbed down. And, and this is without any effect on the pineal gland. I mean, we don't need fluoride for this. We, we have a tendency to dumb ourselves down so negatively that we will become more self-focused on what's wrong with me, how come this didn't work out today, what could I have done differently, that we overanalyze the little things that go on in life on a day-to-day -day basis, that we're losing sight of these distant ideas, these distant planets, that we're not just in this little box here, but there's this whole vast universe around us. You have um, um, endless treasure chest filled with information that um, I think many can benefit from. So thank you so much, Heather, for being on the show. We really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us and give us a lot of this information because uh, it's not that easy to find everything that you were talking about. I want to I want to leave with just a comparison of something on how I do my research for my book. And by the way, I'm about eight, nine chapters in. Um, so sources of information, I don't just put stuff out there. I back it up with um, university level research. I back it up with well-known authors. For example, one of my resources that I'm using is a book from uh, the 1960s. And it's the origins of the races. And it's written by Carlton Kuhn. And so he goes back many years. I wish I could meet him. But uh, he's an awesome anthropologist. And he's done some really great work over the year. I don't agree with everything in the origin of the races, but I agree with a lot of it. And it's very supportive when I get to blood types. And by comparison, uh, another resource I'm using is Alien Agenda, written by Jim Mars, who passed away about a week ago. And I've personally spoke with him. He puts a lot of good information out there. Some of it seems eccentric to some. Some people don't like some of his conspiracy theories about the government. However, that's just to give you a sample of contrasting very scientific anthropologist with... Um, 
alien agenda from Jim Mars. So can he prove the alien agenda? Not tangibly. This anthropologist has some tangible proof of things in the lab. So this is an example. Here's some tangible proof that's accepted by the mainstream scientific community that I'm backing up my information with. And here's something that is not mainstream that I'm backing up the same information with. So I hope that's going to be helpful when people read the material. So thanks again uh, to all of our listeners out there. If um, you enjoyed the show, please uh, subscribe to our iTunes channel and uh, let us know how you're doing or let us know how we're doing, I should say. Uh, we need some ratings and reviews to separate us from the rest of the spiritual podcasts out there. And uh, we will welcome all reviews. So even if it's not positive, uh, we'd like to know what you think. And uh, if you want to learn any more about us, you can go to our website, enlightenup.us. And if you have any questions that you'd like to send into our show, any show ideas that you would, topics that you would like to hear about, you can send it into our email at info at enlightenup.us. And of course, you can follow us on all social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And uh, I think that's it. So... Thanks again, everyone, for being on the show. Thanks again, Heather. And uh, I guess we'll, uh, we'll catch everyone next week. Thanks, Heather. Thank you, Heather. Thank you. I really enjoyed our conversation. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much.